Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for your love. God, for your grace, for your mercy. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word so we can study, so we can learn more of you. And Father, thank you, God, for your wisdom. Thank you for unlocking the mysteries of your word, God. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue, Father, to lead us, to guide us as we study your word to all truth, Father. Give us a deeper understanding, Father, of you and what your word says. God, I love you and I thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Joshua 1, verse 8. Joshua 1, verse 8. Our study books, we're going to be on page 107. And as always, keep your Bible handy because we're going to be jumping around. Going to be jumping around a little bit today. Joshua 1, verse 8 says this. This book of the law. If you have a highlighter, if you have a pen, underline that phrase. This book of the law. And underneath law, put a second line. Emphasize the word law. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your way for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This book of the law, this phrase refers to the first five books of the Bible, which recorded God's words, commands, and revelation to Moses. To Moses. God commanded Joshua to be faithful to the written word by talking about it, by meditating on it, and by obeying it fully. By obeying it fully. Those who know and obey God's word will be prosperous and successful because they will possess the wisdom to do what is right and to achieve God's goal for their lives. It's because you will have the wisdom, the wisdom to do what you need to do. The requirements for this kind of success are four things. One, the requirements are this, to be strong and courageous. To be strong and courageous. Number two, to make God's words your guiding authority for all beliefs and actions. Number three, to study and meditate daily on God's word. Daily. Not once a Sunday, or if you get real crazy and come on a Wednesday night, but daily. Daily. And then finally, to recognize and respond to God's presence in every area of your life. We have to change our way of thinking. We have to change the way we think about this right here. Our Bibles, our physical Bibles. We have to change the way we look at this Bible. 
Yes, the Bible is here to lead, guide, and direct us because his word says it is what? A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, right? It is here to guide and direct us, to keep us from stumbling and falling. But we're okay with that. But what we do not grasp, what we have to grasp, because if we can grasp this and live with this, it will change our lives. This book, God's Word, is holy. Not only is it holy, but it is a legally binding document. A legally binding document. Just like if you went down to the bank or whatever and you signed a loan for a car, for a house, for a renovation project, guess what? That is a legally binding document that has blessings when you pay on time and then has cursings when you don't pay on time. Okay? This is a legal binding document between the holy, all-powerful God of creation and us, his creation. And you know what the thing is? God has to honor every principle in this word. God is not a man that he should lie. God has to honor every single principle from Genesis to Revelation. The crazy thing is, guess who else knows this? And knows it better than all of us sitting here, I would dare say, including all of us. That is Satan, the devil himself. He knows it. And the crazy thing is, is that the devil uses it to try and give himself an advantage. But what the devil doesn't realize is that he's already been defeated by the work of Jesus on the cross. So how does the devil try and use biblical principles for his advantage? How does he do it? Let's go back to what we studied two weeks ago. Revelation 12, verses 10 and 11. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. The devil is your accuser. He is your accuser. And as we learned in Revelation 12, 10 and 11, Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and there is a satanic strategy at work attempting to destroy the word of our testimony and to make us ineffective for Christ. Yet, through the powerful weapon, the powerful weapon of the blood of Christ, we can overcome. Although Satan can accuse us, his accusations, listen, his accusations have no legal weight. No legal weight. 
I'm going to pause for just a second. I've said this before, but I want to drive this point home. In the Bible, how many times does it mention the courts of heaven? See, when you start looking at it as Jesus is the judge, okay, I'm sorry, wrong. God is the judge. <laughs> All right, everybody get it? I messed up. God is the judge. Somebody called me on it. Come on, somebody. God is the judge. Jesus is our lawyer who sits at the right hand of the Father. Satan is the accuser. And the interesting thing is that the Bible talks about the great cloud of witnesses that is in the courtroom. We are under contract. Here's the fun thing. You are under contract whether you believe in Jesus or whether you don't. You are under contract. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. You are under contract. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There are three laws, and write these laws down. There are three laws in the Bible. Three. Three laws in the Bible. The first law is the law of sin and death. That law was established in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. The law of sin and death. When Adam and Eve took, disobeyed God, took and ate of the tree. The first law, law of sin and death. The second law is the law of Moses. That was given to Moses on Mount Sinai. The second law is the law of Moses. And that law instituted animal sacrifices for the covering of sin. The third law is the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life, which the law of the spirit of life came when Jesus came, was sent by God the Father. Jesus came, died, was buried, and resurrected for our sins. He took upon him our sins. That is the third law. So, you're either under, pause. So, the third law takes out the second law. Because where the second law wasn't sufficient, the third law was sufficient and completed it. So, you were either under contract with Satan and death, or you were under contract with Jesus and life. You are under contract. Every time we make a mistake, our sin, every time we make a mistake or we sin, God erases that sin from the pages of history. Comma. When we confess our sin, and are washed in the blood of the Lamb. When we confess, you can't just be laid on a payment. I've tried. Man, hey, get that phone number. You're not even to 30 days late yet. 
You're not even to the two weeks yet where, you know, the price goes up and they are blowing your phone up. Where's our money? Eventually, you got to make that phone call. Eventually, you got to get that bill in. If you confess by giving them your money, guess what? Everything's good. And what do they say? Yeah, in good standing. But if not, you are not in good standing. Oh, man, there's so many ways we can go with that, but I don't have time. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, I am reading out of the ESV, English Standard Version. But to get the full understanding of a couple of verses, I will read verses 3 and 4 from the New Living Translation. Because the ESV, King James, and the New King James, when you read this on the front, it can be confusing. At least it was for me. It was a little confusing, and I'll get to that here in a second. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Right there at the beginning. There's no more condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's pretty basic. For the law, here we go. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So in verse 2, we see the two main laws right there. We see the law of the spirit of life and that Christ Jesus has set us free from the first law of sin and death. Now, here's where it took me a few times to understand what it was talking about, okay? Right here, it says in verse 3, For God has done what the law, comma, weakened by the flesh, comma, could not do. So let's take out between weakened by the flesh. It says, for God has done what the law could not do. And I was like, okay, what, what law are we talking about here? Because it just says the law of the spirit of life and then the law of sin and death. So what, what law are we talking about here? So then I read on. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Okay, but God, what law are you talking about? This is why it helps to have different versions and different research tools. Because then when you start searching and you start reading, all of a sudden it's like, oh. New Living Translation, verse 3. Here's where it unlocks the secret. You ready? You with me? The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Which what law? The law of Moses. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son a sacrifice for our sins. 
mind blown. Now it makes sense. So when it says in verse 3, for God has done for God has done what the law could not do. That law, that's why I said write those three laws down. That law was the law of Moses. The law of Moses was imperfect. It wasn't complete. Because you constantly had to sacrifice, had to sacrifice. But what God did was once and for all take the law of Moses and remove it and establish his permanent law by sending his son to die for us. What does all this mean, John? This is law. This is courts. I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand the law, but I have a basic concept of it. What this means is that God the Father is our judge, our jury, and our executioner. We deserve death, plain and simple. But what he established with Moses was imperfect. It was not sustainable. Why was it not sustainable? Because it was weakened by the flesh. So he had to send a perfect sacrifice. A perfect sacrifice. And establish a perfect law to contradict the law of sin and death. So when he sent that law, his son Jesus, who came and lived a perfect life but was, in, was tempted in every way we are. And I'm going to go back and say it again because it helps to grasp the full picture. He was 100% man and 100% God. So when that verse says he was tempted in every way we are, he was tempted in every way we are. So when he completed his mission on earth, he then died. He was sacrificed, the ultimate sacrifice to fulfill <laughs> the law of Moses. To then make that law, which was weak by the flesh, now a perfect law because the flesh in God form came and was perfect and made it perfect. Oh, that's cool. Made it perfect. Man, time flies. Verse 4 In order that the righteousness requirement for the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to our flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is the life of peace. This is the blessing and the cursing that we receive from our contract. So if you are living in a contract, the first contract, which is the law of sin and death, 
Your reward is death. It's that simple. If you live according to the first contract of sin and death, your reward for that contract, when it matures, is death. But to those who set the mind on the Spirit, to those who live according to the contract of the Spirit of life and Jesus' sacrifice, your reward when that contract matures and becomes whole is life. Is life. Why is it important when the Bible says, choose you this day who you will serve? Choose you this day. It is a conscious decision. Jesus. It is a conscious decision every day to wake up and decide who you are going to live for each day. Every minute, every second of every day is a conscious decision. Who are you going to live for? Who are you going to stand up for? Every day, it's a conscious decision when you go into work and everybody's hounding you and you want to punch your fist through a wall to make that choice. Are you going to do it? Are you going to breathe, walk away, speak in tongues, ask God for help, and then go back in and live a righteous life? It's a choice every day. Who will you serve? Verse 9 of chapter 8 of Romans says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. Verse 10, But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead, the flesh is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Talking about driving the point home in Romans. He he doesn't just drive it, he hammers it home. He stands on it and he harumphs it with everything he's got and drives the point home. We need more of that today. We need more of that and more of understanding that it's time we start taking his words seriously. Because there is real life consequences. Blessings and cursings. Life and death. The Bible is a contract, right? I've established that. The Bible is a contract. So why are we not taking seriously the contract where it says life and death are in the tongue? Why are we not taking that seriously? Why are we speaking death over our own lives, our children's lives, our friends' lives, instead of speaking life? Why are we not tithing as we're supposed to and reaping the benefits that are there? but yet then have the intestinal fortitude to blame God that we don't have what we need financially because we're not doing what we're supposed to do according to the written contract of the Bible. Isn't it interesting how the world is fully funded? Isn't it interesting? 
Isn't it interesting that the world has all the money they need to do whatever they want to do? Why is the church not? Why is the church not? Do you know, interestingly enough, people out there, I'm on a soapbox and I'm probably going to have to end on a soapbox and I apologize. But do you realize that there are people out there don't claim Christ. As a matter of fact, they don't even like the Bible or church. But multi-billion dollar companies are willing because of the law of the land to give money to a charitable organization called the church because their employees give their 10%. So guess what? They're going to match their 10% and give to the church as a tax write-off. That is called a tithe. And you know what happens? God is a man of his word because this is a legally binding contract. So the evil person of the billion dollar company is blessed. Why? Because this is a legally binding contract. So why are we not taking full advantage of the legally binding contract. I'm tired of seeing the world always being blessed. Elder Jeff can tell you better than I can, and I think he actually has the specific stats. (laughs) But do you know if the church who claims to be the church, correct me if I'm wrong, but if the church who claimed to be the church were to just give their 10%, I'm not talking about offerings, Just the 10%. Every, every missions, every work of God would be fully funded for years and years and years and years to come. But they're not. Why? Because we don't take this legally binding contract seriously. So in essence, you are spitting in the face of God. You are spitting in the face of God. My word shall not return void. My word shall not return void. Legally binding contract. Not return void. The song, if he said it, we believe it. You're a man of your word. How many times do we sing that song, but do we believe it? That's a good song, man. Israel killed it when he sang that. Trust me. Ooh, brother. He didn't sing it, he sang it. And he crushed it. And it's a good foot-tapping song, but do you believe it? Do you really believe it? God says, try me in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven. So why don't we try him on it? Money is not evil, but the love of money is. Why am I talking about money? It's not in my notes. No, I actually had it in my notes and I crossed it out not to talk about it. But we get it mixed up so many times. How... It is sickening how many times we misquote Scripture. Sickening. 
The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. But the second, the very second you have somebody get up here and talk about tithing and offering, you can feel the air get sucked out of the place. You know why? Because we don't believe that this is a legally binding document. Because the love of money creeps in. Well, I can't do that. You cannot afford not to, as it's been said. Legally binding document. Man, there is so much more in here, but I don't have time. So next week, we will, we will jump in part two. But the main thing we need to know is we have to, we have to change our way of thinking when it comes to the Word. This is not just a book. This is not something just to get through in a year to check off and post, because I posted it too, don't get me wrong, about how you've read through the book in a year. If you've read through the Bible in a year, but you don't apply the principles, cool, you read a book. And that's it. You have to read and apply. You have to know that when you go into those battles for not only your life, but your wife's life, your husband's life, your kid's life, your mother's life, your father's life, you have to know that when you go in for that fight, what the legal document says about that fight. Because you know what the interesting thing is about a legal document? Is that every word matters. How many, oh, how many legal disclaimers hide everything in the bottom, right? All the commercials have those legally binding contractual statements at the end that they read at 200 miles an hour. You never know what they say. You don't want to read it, so you just sign it. But you are accountable for what you've signed. Ladies and gentlemen, you are accountable for what you've read and what you've heard. And you will be judged accordingly. I, we, will be judged accordingly. So we have to change the way we think about this word. We have to start getting seriously serious about this word. We are in the end times. We are. When all have heard. Is that right? Did I? When all have heard. Which one? Matthew 24, 14. Matthew 24, 14. When all have heard. When all have heard is real close. By these signs ye shall know. And again, legally binding document. By these signs you shall know. By these signs you shall know. And he is a man of his word. So it's time we study. It's time we work. And it's time we apply and know that this is a legally binding document. And let's live by it. Amen? Father, thank you for today.
Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your warnings. Thank you for your blessings. God, thank you for sending your son to be and to pay the ultimate price for us. Thank you, Father, that he is our advocate with the Father and that he shuts down the accuser on our behalf. Father, I love you and I thank you. And Lord, I pray that you will continue to be with this service. I pray, Lord, that you'll be with our pastors. God, that you will anoint them, that you will cover them, that you will bless them, God. Give them supernatural knowledge and wisdom as they teach and preach to us today. God, I pray for those who are coming to this day with a need. God, I pray that you will meet that need here in this place. Miracle signs and wonders, God. Salvation, healings, deliverance, God, I pray for this building today. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.